is trying to point out all the danger signals and those things which you should be wary of. I can remember years ago when Robert Duval came out with a, in a movie. I think it was by George Lucas, maybe his first big one, in fact. And that was, uh, it was a THX or something, followed by a number with the name of the movie. Science fiction, to do with a future society where all the, the ordinary people who would be graded different categories of peoples for your function and your necessity to the system. You'd be drugged and you'd work like robots all day long. And I'll have more of this because it's coming out into the open. That's what they want. Back in a few minutes after these messages. Wireless sensors could read heart rate, galvanic skin response, 
EMG, brain signals, respiration rate, body temperature, movement, facial movements, facial expressions, and blood pressure, the application states. The system could also automatically detect frustration or stress in the user and offer and provide assistance accordingly. Here we are into the twilight zone already. It's here. Physical changes to an employee would be matched to an individual's psychological profile based on a worker's weight, age, and health. If the system picked up an increase in heart rate or facial expression suggestive of stress or frustration, it would tell management that he needed help. You can imagine they're also going to decide what kind of help you might happen to need. Information Commissioner, Civil Liberties Groups and Privacy Lawyers strongly criticized the potential of the system for taking the idea of monitoring people at work to a new level. Hugh Tomlinson, QC, an expert on data protection law at Matrix Chambers, Matrix Chambers, interesting, told the Times, the system involves intrusion into every single aspect of the lives of employees. It raises very serious privacy issues, I'd say, I'd say. I mean, this is amazing, but not really. It's not really if you understand who rules your lives and we all must go because it's planned that way. Peter Skite, a national officer for the union, Unite, said the system takes the idea of monitoring people at work to a new level, with a new level of invasiveness, but in a very old-fashioned way because it monitors what is going in rather than the results. The Information Commissioner's Office said, Imposing this level of intrusion on employees could only be justified in exceptional circumstances. Now, you can imagine lawyers will have a, a field day with exceptional circumstances because they can, they'll, they'll get around it one way or another. The U.S. Patent Office confirmed last night that the application was published last month, 18 months after being filed. Patent lawyers said that it could be granted within a year. Now, it's not going to stop there. You know that. It's going to go into the school system, too. Until everyone's got it, because we're on a step-by-step towards an actual embedded chip, which can do all of that, and it'll be in your body in one chip. That's what it's, it's just a training exercise to get the sheep to keep grazing on that nice green grass while they don't notice the wolves gathering around them. That's the whole trick of step-by-step approach, familiarization. And that's what Skinner talked about, behavior modification expert. He said that to change a person or, or a whole people, you change their environment around them. And that's what they're doing. Whether you wear it, see it around you, whatever, it changes you. It modifies your behavior accordingly. And the old saying that you had, you had to guard your thoughts, to guard your thoughts, has never been so true. Because that's where it's all going. The totally controlled society. To continue, it says, Microsoft last night refused to comment on the application, but said we have over 7,000 patents worldwide, and we are proud of the quality of these patents and the innovations they represent. As a general practice, we do not typically comment on pending patent applications because the claims made in the application may be modified through the approval process. So that's, that's part of what's going on. And... You have to shake your head. I, I saw the bank tellers at the Sudbury, one of the Sudbury banks, the great metropolis of Sudbury, Ontario, uh, picketing outside their bank because they're not getting the pay raises and their working conditions aren't the best and so on. Because 
everybody now wants to maximize a profit and bank managers are encouraged to try and give it as least amount as possible and pay to the employees. And you will see more and more of that because it's a rare thing to actually see tellers going on strike. I don't think I've seen that before. But now it's, it's starting to come out. And we'll see a lot more of this as the people at the bottom get hit. First, they have rents to pay and all the rest of it. Like everyone else, but everyone now is based on, on greed. That's called success. And the, the system is fear-based. Everyone's terrified of being poor because we know what happens when you're poor. You're a non-person. We know what street people are all about. That's why they, they encourage that kind of stuff. That's why they, they always make sure you know there are street people. They're poor. They're lonely. They can get no help or health care or anything else. And they, they terrify you. This is called a caring society. I don't know who coined that term, a caring society. It's all fear-based. And one way or another, we can't save the old system that was never ours to save. We've got to somehow divert it into a, a working system where, where we can live for a change in a, in a different system than this punishment and reward technique that we've all grown up to accept simply because it exists that way. Now we've got a caller, Rick, from California. Are you there, Rick? Uh, yes, Alan, I'm here. Yes. Oh, Yes, um, th thank you very much for, for putting this stuff out. Um, I have two questions. Um, I just want to explain uh, my situation before, um, um, because of mistakes I made in the 90s, um, you know, with my career and everything. Um, I, I live in a rental in the city, living month to month, and most people I know live, live like that. And none of us can even dream of, of affording to pick up and go live in the country or move to South India. And so... Um, you know, I'm, I'm planning out, you know, buying, buying like water filters and books on how to survive in the wilderness in case I have to run and, you know, like planning to go places in the desert, you know, to run if, if um, you know, the going gets really tough. And mm -hmm. so my question is, like, what do you have to say for people who live on a, in a month to month situation in the city in a, in a rental apartment? And and um, my other question is, like, how, how long do we have to prepare you know, buy food and, and things like that. How long do you think? At least I, I'd imagine, I'd imagine, I'd think, no, anything could happen. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, I think there's probably two years left. Uh, they want it to be fairly clear up to 2010 for the unification of the Americas. Mm -hmm. They don't want too much internal strife at I the see. moment. They're all prepared for it, as you can look around you and see. Yeah. So there's a couple of years to do it. And, yeah, I mean, I know it's very difficult. The city, to, I understand it, it's a trap. Mm -hmm. It's a trap, and uh, you you pay out whatever you earn, uh, trying to just live there. Yeah, it's designed that way. Uh, and, and of course, the, the closer to or the, to the outskirts you can get, the better step by step if you can. Mm -hmm. And uh, and don't be terrified of things too. See, this this war is worldwide. Yeah, remember that. And it's up to us to divert it off in some other direction, rather than simply be scared stiff. And, and let it happen and then decide to try and save ourselves, we have to, we have to do as much as we can now to thwart it. That's mm -hmm. the whole point of it. So you because think it's not just a country, it's worldwide. You, you think there's still time to actually divert it, on it from its path? Absolutely. If enough people, uh, the right people, um, start speaking the truth for the first time, and it really is, I mean, for the first time since 2001, there's never been such a chance uh, 
to from to people who are scared. They know things are wrong. They don't know the they can't fill in the blank spots, but but they're asking the right questions for the first time, and this is the time when they when they hear. And if you have the right answers, we can thwart it. We can point to the kings and say that they have no clothes. And not only that, they have no right to to run our lives according to some economic agenda, some plan. Uh, we were just cannon fodder for their particular agenda. We have as much right to exist on this planet as every, anyone else, anyone mm. else, including them. No. Well, I, actually, I have another question, actually, I wanted to ask you. Um, would it be all right if uh, me and other listeners uh, made flyers to, to promote your website, or, or, sure. or would sure that you overload your, your, your bandwidth? Yeah, sure you can do it, yeah. yeah. No problem. Thanks for calling in. Back after these messages. Um, 
one of a, a major person in that religion is Maurice Strong, and I know you've yeah, you mentioned religion, about Maurice Strong. It's the religion that the, uh, that the United Nations has actually sponsored this year. It's the only one they would promote. Exactly, and that's the one thing I started researching, and, and, and they showed they're the only one to have a seat in the UN, considered an NGO by the UN, uh -huh. um, that Maurice Strong, and I started looking into some of the people and their affiliations, and so I typed in, you know, Google search Rockefeller Foundation and the religion, and, and a person on the Board of Justice, whatever that is, you know, was a part of the Rockefeller Foundation in Colombia. Yeah. So I just started finding more and more of these startling things, and I started reading through some of her stuff, and, you know, they started mentioning a New World Order. And I brought this up to her, and I'm like, you know, what the hell? You guys are talking about a New World Order. But she's like, oh, it's not in that sense. It's in a different sense, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, it's just a bunch of stuff like that. And even yesterday, we were beginning this discussion about spirituality, religion, faith, what have you. I mean, we go on hours and hours with this discussion. Yeah. And she happened to go to the bathroom, and I, and I picked up one of her, her prayer books. And in there, I started looking to have a, a medium, short, long, obligatory prayer, which I found kind of funny. And then there was one called America. And yeah. I was like, what the hell? So I switched, I turned to the page America, and it's talking about this, you know, their so-called prophets saying, oh, we want to kind of have America push democracy throughout the world. And I just started laughing. I'm like, what democracy, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm just like, what the hell? Like, you're going to understand that the history of the Baha'i, I mean, it was, it was started up around the 1800s by one man. At the same time when H.G. Uh, Wells and others were talking about uh, pushing a, a world religion. And so they thought that they could get a religion which would encompass all the religions and bring them together. And uh, it takes little bits of all the different existing religions and, and mushes them up together. That was the whole idea. But they're highly Masonic at the top. Like all religions are, they're, they're very Masonic at the top. And if you look at their building, even for the Baha'i, uh, as it opens at the top, it looks almost like a fruit, but you count the petals, etc. It's all very highly Masonic. And I know the United Nations even recruits some of their security guards or top security guards uh, from the Baha'i faith. Uh, it's all part of it. They have their own meditation room within the United Nations as well. And uh, the, the Baha'is take care of that. So uh, you've got to understand you... It, it's, I understand your position with a girlfriend who's into a religion heavily that she might not understand herself. It sounds very beautiful from the exoteric side of things. Exactly. But, but all you can really do is just point out the foundation of that religion. It's not hard to find it, what the, their goals were and, and, and where it's, it's heading. Uh, because you can, you can see yourself. The United Nations is to be raised up to be the dictator of the planet, you know. It's funny because I try to bring this up to her as well, and she's like, all oh, you look at is a negative. These guys are trying to do positive throughout the world. You know, they do little things here and there, but I'm just like, you have to see the big picture and the major players and the people who are involved because, yeah. you know, she's like, I went to college, and I studied international affairs. And I was like, have you heard of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergers? You know, start naming people off, and she's like, uh... You know, it's, it's funny because they'll try to come at you with little things, but when you try to encompass like the whole picture, yeah. it's kind of too hard for them to see. I know, and you have to be careful about it. Uh, I'll back with more after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
cutting through the matrix and just to, to finish up uh, what Eddie was talking about it's, it's a big problem when you one person's awake and the other isn't and it's not a time to be impulsive about things either either way it's a time to reflect and stand back sometimes because uh, it can cause tremendous problems down the road and that's that's really where we are with all of this that's happened already to, to people uh, down through our lives those who've understood those who've woken up uh, only to find their mate hasn't woken up and then they find her incredibly lonely because one's under a form of conditioning and they accept the world as it's been presented to them while the other sees what's really going on and they can't communicate there's a tremendous barrier there so it's time really to reflect and, and stand back and think and uh, in matters like this of the heart as they say it's a difficult thing to do but yet it's still it's still essential now we've got Dave from Texas there Are you there Dave sir thank you for having me on um man dude that last caller man got me reminded me of a similar situation and I'll just say, man, either she converts or you convert. Yeah. Have harmony, man. It's the only way you got to do it. But anyway, um, and you ain't going to convert, so start looking for another girlfriend anyway. No. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, man, I'll, the, my, the real reason I called is because I wanted to uh, get your opinion and, and, and try and give us a sense. Because I think I, it has to do with the difference between being vigilant and being hypervigilant, yeah. being rational and kind of going upward. Because yeah. I think a lot of times when – people first get a hold of this information and it could get really kind of scary and then you could pretty much start seeing like you know uh Sancho Panza you'll be seeing windmills all the time yeah and not to say that they're not there or not to say that just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not to get you but in reality I'd like to understand or get your experience because yeah. you know I respect all the work you've done and I want to know how you personally um you know Keep your head on your shoulders, because a lot of times we're looking at this parapolitical information and yep. we're looking at really uh, new scientific paradigms and things, and it's kind of it can be a little kooky. Yep. But um, I like the ability that you have in general, the way you present your stuff. Yeah, well, what we do is, and... is not panic. I mean, the whole thing is to do with panic, and you'll find this. This is a war, remember. It truly is a war, and most of the people are on the battlefield. They just don't know it yet. And when they do wake up and see they're on the battlefield and the, and the war is directed against them, uh, they, they often hear all of this massive uh, alternate media for the first time, and they completely panic. And that's what happens in battle as well. Uh, a certain portion will always freeze, panic, or, or go hyper. And, uh, and some of them will get over it and, and calm down again and take things step by step. Others uh, take it and run with it, and they're running all over the place. So they're no use to themselves or others. So it, it's a matter of, of seeing what's important and taking things by priority. You can't really uh, teach anyone that, can you, though? Know? You just kind of have to have that a rationalist kind of innate ability. Cause, uh, is that why the public school can't teach it, because it's more character? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you walk from one world view to another, uh, and suddenly it's like walking from the rain into the sunlight uh, can blind a lot of people uh, and a lot cannot handle it. Some will never handle it. Some are uh, just terrified. And, and the ones who are most terrified, I find, are, um, are more concerned about themselves personally. They don't have much compassion for others, I mm. find. Mm. And I've really found that the ones who are ultra-terrified and scared are, are more, more into themselves. And what about me, 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 me? 
than other people. And if you have an empathy for other people too, then you become motivated and you start doing something about it. And you'll find the fear tends to diminish as you're actually being active doing something about it. Do you remember that song by John Lennon called Imagine? Yep. There was a philosopher. Do you know there's a philosopher? He has basically the same philosophy as that, so that song was named after. Do you remember that guy? The, the same philosopher, didn't he have something to do with the Baha'i faith? And that's why the UN picked it, because it was like this internationalism. That they I know they picked the song. Time. Yeah, they picked the song because of its international type flavor. But um, the United Nations will be its own god anyway, and they'll get, they've already given us a new religion, and it's a form of uh, materialism. It's almost it's a, it's a combination of Marxism and fascism, uh, plus they're giving us environmentalism, which is to be the big stick. So you always get a religion to go with the fascist system, and all systems technically run on money are fascist by nature. Even the communist system ended up the same way. So, getting back to that caller earlier, do you think his, his battle is a spiritual battle with a spiritual battle between his partner? Because I was getting to the same thing you were saying, like it's spiritual, because I have good friends yeah. that are communists that I go and debate regularly, but yeah. you, still, you still can't get to convince them. Even if you beat them in an argument, they still have their ideology that you're never going to change. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, uh, I, I bypass the ones I, I can't work with rather than expend energy. It's, it's pointless to expend energy when you're so little time so much to do. You pick those you can help, and that's because it has to be done fairly quickly now. They're on a roll at the top, and mm. there's no doubt about it that there's some kind of odd uh, spiritual nature. But don't forget, two people are attracted to the particular religion that reflects their inner nature. Mm. And some, some religions are very, very strict, for instance, and you'll find those who are control freaks themselves will, will go into those particular religions. Other ones uh, truly want uh, a sort of world flower power scenario, and, and uh, they'll pick something that is written on the exoteric just for them. They won't look above it to see who's pulling the strings at the top. Uh, and so you've got to leave people to their own when it comes to religion, mm-hmm. as long as they don't stand on you and, and demand that you follow them as well. Mm-hmm. You remember that story about the uh, marine captains at the, uh, you know, the Naval Institute? dispensational Christians and all the people under their command they were making have to, yeah. you know, and I think ACLU just won a uh, lawsuit against those guys. You hear about that case? Yeah. That's, that's where, like, you have the, the the problem with that is when you have the tyranny of the government, the monopoly of force, telling people what they need to do, man. I know, I know, but the, the government also encourages the strife in the first place. Uh, they, they're the best at encouraging strife. You divide and conquer, divide and conquer and then people have a hard time uniting, and they're fighting over petty, little, trivial differences. You know? i got one more question before I go. Maybe. I have to go on to the next. I've got, I've got a whole bunch of callers here. But, but call in again. Thanks. Now, we've got Vince from Canada. Are you there, Vince? Hello? Hello, Vince, yeah. Hi, great to be on. Um, I wanted to just uh, redress what the previous caller was talking about, how... Um, it's there's sort of like a, a gender war going on between males and females. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's hard to sort of relate to the opposite sex now. Yeah. Now that the family's been destroyed, and it's kind of interesting how he's kind of having to appeal to youth as a father role model to sort of teach him how to deal with women. Because my, I myself don't have a father uh, living in my household, and uh, it's really uh, the family's been really destroyed. Can you yeah, kind of elaborate on that? 
Yeah, I, I've gone over many talks on, on the agenda from 100 odd years ago, in fact, even, even further back than that. And every part of the agenda, whether it was Marxist or the elite institutions running the West that also funded Marxism, it still exists today, or even Albert Pike with the, his morals and dogma, they all advocated destruction of the family in order for the, for the illumined ones to take control, because the family, it's hard to control families like small tribes and stand up together and stand up for each other. Yeah, and uh, they've, given, they've, given, they've given almost 50 years of special indoctrination to the female. Uh, they've given a, a massive guilt trip to, to all the males. As yeah, I mean, that has been taught in school. And the whole purpose was exactly that. So, now, what's interesting, too, Albert Pike said something very interesting. He says, we have to stop targeting uh, uh, individual countries according to the culture. He said, men are men and women are women. So it will target women of all countries because they have certain things in common. Wow. And, and so they, they broke down the personality of the male and the female. And for the males, of course, they give the sports and all this kind of stuff and a fake macho image and an ego that, that simply wouldn't get along with anyone. But for the female, too, they looked at the traits there uh, that they would encourage and uh, promote. And every woman likes to be loved, she likes to be admired, likes to be called beautiful and so on. And, of course, if you create a society uh, where there's free love and all the rest of it, they knew darn well uh, that eventually wow. it was hard for a female to mate with a single guy. But it's also been indoctrinated into them, what he's talked about and others talked about as well, uh, that um, if they create assertiveness training, it would actually be a, a form of aggression. Wow. So there's, no, there's no compromise between the two. Can I just have one more question? Yeah. Um, so is that, is that, in a sense, doesn't that have the effect of decreasing the birth rate because then people don't really have too many children and they, they can't get along and it, yes, kind of, it divide and conquer like you, you mentioned. And yeah, and also too, they did the same thing. They tried to pull out this stunt in the 1880s of all times. Uh, they called it free love. H.G. Wells yeah. was promoting free love in the, in the 1880s. Then they tried it right through to the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties. They, they brought the miniskirt in, the booze can out in places. Uh, the jazz, the drugs, and, and but they had all the fallout from, from unwanted children. Boys' time was created, all the big orphanages. So they went back to the drawing board, and all the governments put lots of your tax money into finding ways uh, to, to get either acceptable abortion or, or else birth control methods. And so they brought out the pill, relaunched the whole same fashion again, miniskirts, the whole thing, free love. Uh, and the pill at the same time, and drugs, <laughs> and, uh, and of course the bonding process, like Alistair, um, I mean, like uh, Russell, Bertrand Russell said, uh, wow. Bertrand Russell says, uh, the more partners they have before they're 20, 22, 25, the less likelihood anyone can bond for life. Well, that's been successful, as you can see. It's really sad, though. Yes, but you're, we've been under war for a long, long time, and it's not to help the female or, or the male. It's to create I a new know. type of society uh, as they're fighting each other. We'll, we'll all go down the tubes, and they will bring out their, their perfect clone being. that will be a good worker, <laughs> uh, maybe in 50 years' time, maybe under that. Who knows? Well, well thanks, Alan. Yeah, thanks for calling. Now we've got Nicole from Canada. Are you there, Nicole? Hello? Hello, yeah. Hi, Alan. It's good to talk to you. It's a pleasure um, to talk to you. Yeah, thanks so much for your show, and you played a really big role in um, helping me see the world for what it really is. Um, ironically, I'm just finishing up my sociology degree, um, 
And I'm just wondering, like, how do we go about waking other people up? Like, I've, I've tried, and I've, you know, um, being a good student, I've tried to do lots of research and academic research into these kinds of things to um, just to show to people because people won't take, you know, things that are on the Internet as, as proof positive, and, and nor they shouldn't. So I kind of started my search with chemtrails because it's something that people can see. Yeah. And um, I, I started searching all the university databases, um, and the only thing I can find is in the human rights databases um, stuff about uh, right-wing um, racists who believe in chemtrails. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, so it's all that I can find on it. So, so it's right-wing uh, racists that can see them, eh? <laughs> yeah, anti-Semitic people and, and whatnot who, who are like ultra-nationalist bad guys. Uh-huh. Um, so I was just wondering, like, what, what, what can I do at, at, like, to try and wake other people up? Because you get this feeling like there's nowhere to run I at know. all. I know. Uh, so the know. only way to stop the ship from sinking is, is for everyone just to kind of realize what you do, or at least at some level. Yes. And I'm, coming, I'm hitting roadblocks trying to do it. Yeah, you will, because everyone, I mean, everyone in every age group is going, has gone through their own conditioning. And, uh, I mean, see, we're under a scientific indoctrination, and it works very well. Uh, that's why they could write, uh, guys like Huxley and Russell and others could be absolutely sure in their writings that they would pull this off. They were convinced back then, even in the 1930s, they could pull all of this off through scientific uh, indoctrination. And uh, it's very difficult, as I say, uh, even printing up your own material, writing for your own age group in the language they use is very important as well. And uh, to try and get through to them um, and, and point them out to, to websites that would be, uh, it would be helpful to look at that doesn't overdose them on too much out of the reality at one time. That's the biggest mistake everyone makes, is giving a person too much information on different scattered topics all at once. They crash. Yeah. And uh, so it's better to pick a particular topic and just feed them a little bit at a time, but make sure of your facts, but especially go into the histories of what built modern, what they call modern society, all the forces, agencies, institutions, uh, behaviorists, and so on, that, that gave them their present reality. That's more important because that will, that's, that's um, provable, and they'll be able to relate to it when they see what was planned and, and how they're actually living today. It's right in front of their faces. That will stay with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Alan, and I'll keep tuning in. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for calling. And now we've got uh, Keith from Florida. Are you there, Keith? Uh, hi, Alan. How are you? Not hey, good. Uh, good. Uh, I was wondering if you could make some comments uh, on, as far as religion, L. Ron Hubbard, Scientology, maybe a CIA or connection, yeah. or, or maybe you know, he was a... Uh, I think a lieutenant commander in the Navy, maybe there's a little naval intelligence background, and uh, I would appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, he started off as a, in the Navy in naval intelligence. He was related to Aleister Crowley. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And you'll find that, that Hubbard also spawned off a couple of other institutions along with Crowley, and one of them uh, was to do, they're all sort of Freemasonic societies initially, and one of them became the, alert, the early American uh, rocket testing institution that, that, that eventually down the road became NASA. 
Oh, no kidding. And it was, uh, I think Parsons is the guy he initiated into taking over and starting up the first uh, association in the United States. That was from, from him. But we, we know that, um, as I say, he, he himself was uh, a science fiction writer as well, obviously well-schooled and, and well-helped by very, uh, very intelligent and probably scientifically trained people to create a new type of, of uh, religion, uh, coupling science uh, with spirit. Now, that, that was tried already with theosophy. They, they spawned a whole bunch of branches where they said they would couple science with spirit, and they'd both come together at a special time, the age of Aquarius, ha-ha. And here we are as it's all coming together, as they blend uh, the natural you with the artificial scientific chip, etc., the artificial intelligence. That's really what they meant by it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, you'll find that Hubbard was only one of the bran- many branches they created. Uh, the idea being that most people are attracted to a specific branch of religion according to their personality type. But they know there's different, different personality types, so they would give you a variety to choose from that all went on the same path towards the same ending. That was the purpose of it. When you mentioned Parsons, is that the same Parsons that is associated with the uh, School for Social Research in New York? I, I'm not sure if he was into that. I know he was definitely into the early... Uh, he, had a, he had his own uh, lodge he started up. Oh. Um, but I don't know if he was into that particular one you mentioned. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for calling. I'll be back after these messages. And that takes a lot of work to make that happen inside. 
And once you have peace, then you can share it with others for those who are looking uh, along a path uh, to, to gain the same kind of thing. But it comes with a price. Uh, it comes with a, 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 a you, you won't be able to live the same life as everyone else because you work in a different, you walk in a different world, literally. You see what they don't see. You understand what they don't understand. And for the young especially who have had nothing but a scientific indoctrination, this isn't the first generation of it either. Uh, it's very difficult because uh, it's well known, well understood at the top, uh, that they like to party and have a great old, good old time. The hormones are jumping. And as long as they're, they're completely preoccupied with that, uh, they, they won't look at these bigger pictures, which will affect them down the road. That's well understood at the top. Every age group is catered to. The five-year-olds, the under-five-year-olds, the 10-year-olds, 12, etc., all the way up, 50, 60, 70, they're all catered to in the system. That's why it's called a system. And they made sure that even the generations don't don't uh, collude together to help each other. That was instilled a long time ago. They said they'd have to break up the intergenerational bonding where information was passed from, from the wise, those who'd gone through life already, seen all the cons, who would pass it on to the younger ones. That's been destroyed. So they've created what they call the youth culture. And even the word teen for teenager was not used before either. You're either a youth adolescent or, or an adult. That's how it used to be not so long ago. They literally gave a teen culture to separate the generations. And they taught them back in the, the 50s even, when the, when, the, when the kiddie boys were on the go. Then the 60s, don't trust anybody over 30. Now it's don't trust anybody over 25 or 20. There's so much ground to cover and so little time to do it. From Hamish and myself up in Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.